Alright guys, I have a confession to make to all of you and it's not book related. It's that I can't wrap a present. No, believe me, I really can't. Short of just shoving things in a gift bag, I'm pretty much hopeless when it comes to that wonderful art of wrapping, taping, and cutting beautiful gift wrap onto boxes, bags, you name it. I, I just can't wrap gifts. And so currently I'm sitting here in the midst of about 4,000 different gifts that need wrapping and not all of them can just be shoved into gift bags. The holiday season is a crazy time for all of us. And as a result, I'm really grateful to fellow podcasters and guests who allow me to take a little trip onto their show and for us to share episodes every now and then. And this week is no exception. The guest today that we're talking to is Julie Strauss of the Best Book Ever podcast, my podcast twin, as she so lovingly named us. Julie's podcast is very similar to mine in premise. In fact, you've probably heard Julie, if you're a listener of the show, when she talked about Howard's End and when I talked about The Heart is a Lonely Hunter on her show. And today, we're just taking a little step back, letting our hair down, and we're talking all about what makes our podcast so much fun to run. You know, we exchange some wonderful bookish questions, talk about some unpopular opinions, and I even torture Julie a bit by asking about some of her other favorites. Honestly, this was so much fun, and it was exactly the holiday break that I needed, and I hope that you all enjoy it too. Shall we get right into it? Let's do it. Let's jump right in. <laughs> okay, super. How many episodes are you in now? How many episodes does your podcast have? Ooh, good question. I believe off the top of my head, and I'd have to double check, I believe we we're about 65 episodes in. Um, and that was, uh, I had been weekly for a while, and I recently went down to every other week. So the episode output won't be quite as frequent, but you know, focusing on really doing my due diligence with the ones I do put out, you know, we got to make time for that work-life balance, but yeah, about 65 episodes for us. And then of those 65 that you've done, how, do you have any sense of how many of them were new books for you? Like brand new to your? I would say almost all of them, almost oh, wow. all of them for me. Um, so out of the 65, I had a couple you know, solo episodes that I did, you know, talking about some favorite short stories or ranking. I did some ranking episodes. I would say out of the 65, maybe about 50 of those were interview episodes. And then most of those were brand new books to me, which was always exciting. How is having the Your Favorite Book podcast changed or impacted your personal reading life? Oh gosh, that's a great question. I will say for one thing, it made me a much more diligent reader. I had always been a reader, but reading was always kind of the thing I snuck in in between other activities or hobbies. And then it became a much more dominant thing. I mean, I think my Goodreads goals speak for themselves. I went from maybe 40 or 50 books to a year. Now I'm almost at a hundred and I'm like, how did that happen? And <laughs> but reading has become just such a big part of what I do now. And it's also led to me branching out so much in terms of what I read, like books I normally would never pick up are now books I've been reading and some have been 
really, really interesting and challenging. And so, and I've been reading a lot of newer books too, because one of the things on my show is I feature a lot of writers and their upcoming releases. So new books, uh, so a good mix of all of that. And uh, I'm curious to know for you, uh, how has that changed your reading goals and how you've been reading? Um, you know, there's been positive and negative. I agree that it has caused me to branch out. I have read so much that I would never have picked up on my own. And I always note that when I'm talking to people, like I mm-hmm. just never would have picked this one up on my own steam. And most of the time, that's great. There's been a little bit of negative impact in that when I get behind which happens to all of us. (laughs) And I know an interview's coming up and then I have to sort of speed through the book that I'm supposed to read for, you know, for example, the interview that I have the next day. And then I start feeling a little resentful. Like Mm -hmm. I'm in bed. I want to be relaxing. I want to read what I want to read right now. And so it's really forces me to I don't like it when I get in that position. So I really try to treat the podcast reading as part of my work day. It doesn't mm. always work, but it's it's important to me to do it because I get so mad at myself when I am reading a podcast book on the weekend because I want to read. I just want to be totally in control of my weekend books. <laughs> Absolutely. Here's, here's my uh, quick follow-up question on that. Have you ever not finished a book for the show? Okay, don't tell anyone. This just stays between us. <laughs> okay, deal. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there have been a couple. There have been a Same, couple. Same, and I, I'm very forthright. I've actually told my guests the couple of times, it's happened twice, that I was not able to finish this book. And I usually bring up reasons for that. And sometimes it's my own lack of planning. Sometimes it's the book didn't work for me. Uh, but it happens to us. It totally yeah. does. But yeah, that's, that's why God gave stuff. us spark notes, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the key for me is nobody's called me out on the ones that I have not read. So I figure I'm still doing okay. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't been too many. So everybody don't at me, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, you know, we're talking about how the books have really changed, the podcasts have really changed our reading tastes and what we've picked up. What's the book that surprised you the most doing this show? Um, there have been a few. I, I'm not a big fantasy reader, and a lot of people read fantasy, as oh, it yes. turns out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a good friend of mine, Alyssa Archer, chose a book called Deerskin by Robin McKinley, which at first I was thinking, oh, God, there are dragons. <laughs> Uh, I love her, so I'm not going to skim this one. And then it turned out to really be a fantastic feminist tale that surprised me every which way. It was really, really a good book. Also, uh, I just interviewed a few weeks ago Robin Witten, who is the uh, founder and editor of Audiophile magazine. Hmm. And she chose The Golden Compass by Philip Pullman. And she recommended that the way we listen to it, the way we read it was to listen to the audio because it was a full cast production. And it truly was phenomenal. It was like a stage play almost. It felt it felt performed. It didn't just and I and I'm a big fan of audiobooks. Yeah. But this one was much, much more than just reading the audiobook. It was really a, a a a performance and it was phenomenal. 
That sounds so cool. I love those full cast audio productions like that. It is like being in a theater and especially with COVID and none of us can go to theaters and I love theater. Like I really enjoyed that immersive feeling and I'm also a huge audiobook fan. So I get you. Yeah. Well, what about you? What book surprised you? So I went this very same direction thinking. I also thought of a fantasy book. I'm not a big fantasy reader either. I've just always thought the genre just went off in directions I couldn't really relate to, or I wasn't really a fan of some of the tropes, things like that. But I read The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon, which is kind of infamous for being 850 pages long. (laughs) And my guest was even like, if this is too long, I understand. And I'm like, nope, I'm going to do it. And so I got the 850 page book and I didn't give myself enough time to read this, but I devoured this book. I adored it. Somehow 850 pages, it felt short. I still wanted more. And that's wow. It again, it was a feminist retelling, also dragons, like all of this. And I was like, this isn't for me, but the <laughs> it was really character focused. It didn't bog me down in the world building. It just really focused on getting to know the characters. And so in that respect, it was like all the literary fiction I love, just with some new interesting twists and tales. And I'm like, this is excellent. And she's writing another one in the same universe and I am waiting for it. Oh my God. So you're in, you're a fantasy reader now. I am. I I am judicious and I've read other fantasy since, and I'm a little pickier, but that one, that one won me over. Okay. I'm adding it to my list. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me something that you learned about people by asking them this question over 65 episodes. I think that for one thing, I've learned just how hard of a question it is for people. As someone who has always been like, I have a, I have a top five ranking and I changed the order. And it's like, (laughs) I know what my favorite books are. And that's kind of what led to me doing this. A lot of people have a hard time with that question. And I think that's a cool thing. Either it's just that your tastes are always changing or you just read so much or favorite means different things to different people. I've actually found that when people get intimidated by the question, I rephrase it. And I like rephrasing it in different ways. I say, what's a book that you can't stop talking about? Or what's a book that you can't seem to forget? And that usually brings up some really interesting answers. Some people still go with really recent favorites, but some people are pulling out like the the deep cuts from childhood or like that one summer reading book that made them think maybe school's not so bad after all, or you get some really interesting cuts here. So I think the big thing I've learned is that it's a hard question and it means different things to everybody. Yeah. For me, the reason they like it is the most fascinating part to me. And I thought what the, I thought the benefit of this podcast was going to be, you know, selfishly, I thought it was going to be opening up my reading life. Right. But what it's really been is learning people's reasons, which almost always surprises me and has made me change my mind about a few of the books. There were a couple that I didn't really love, but then when I talk to the person and then they have, some people have told me really, really highly personal stories and say, and this book represented this for me, or this book reminded me of my brother or this or that. And it changes the book for me. And it makes me think much more favorably about a book that I maybe didn't like. And so that's become the thing for me is the why is the important part. 
Yeah, I really love that. I've had guests who have opened up to me before. I had one guest and he admitted this on the show and he's like, this is becoming a little bit of a therapy session for me. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, books are therapy in many ways, especially when you're digging out something that just has emotional resonance to you. It's going to bring all those memories back. And even if I don't see this, no one reads the same book. Like we all come into it with our own experiences and it's a privilege to sometimes just be part of that. Yeah, I agree. What's been your most popular episode? We're getting into some podcast analytics here. Well, mine is, um, it's actually from my first year of podcasting. Um, Episode 26, um, Deborah Dean was on, who is a historical fiction author, and she did an episode on Remains of the Day by Kazuo Mm -hmm. Ishiguro. And that has consistently been, um, every month, it's my number one most listened to episode. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I wonder if it's because been. he's such a well-read, well-regarded author, or if it's the strength of your guest. I've seen a little bit of everything. Yeah, I th- I think it's a little bit of both. She's a very popular author, and I think it's that one and uh, The Princess Bride by um, oh. William Goldman and um, those two. Have, but Deborah Dean's been, her episode's been... Um, number one for a long time. What about you? Mine, um, far and away, like I think total count, this episode almost doubles all of my other episodes. And it is an episode I did with uh, Brandon Taylor, the author of Real Life, uh, Filthy Animals. He was nominated for the Booker a couple years back. And he was my guest. And we talked about Persuasion by Jane Austen. And it was a match made in heaven. I adored doing that episode. I was intimidated because that was one of the first, he was one of the first like capital A authors I had talked to on the show. And I was still (laughs) a little nervous, but he was a delight. He was a wonderful guest and I enjoyed the book. And we had a good time just talking about Jane Austen, who is the internet's favorite writer. You know, it, it, it was just a wonderful experience and everyone else seems to think so. So that's been, that's been lovely. Oh, that sounds excellent. Um, as numbers aside, which one is your personal favorite? Okay. This one, um, my first instinct, like if you had asked me this before, I would be like, I talked to my mom as one of my first episodes on the show and my mom was a great guest and I loved her, but mom, someone beat you out for my favorite episode. <laughs> and Sorry, she knows this. And she tells me, she's like, she sometimes goes back and listens to episodes. She's like, I can tell which one is your favorite just from the tone of your voice. And it is when I had the pleasure of talking to Jeff Perlman, who is my favorite sports writer. I have been a fan for a while. And he just decided to come on my show. And we talked about baseball. And I was like a kid in a candy shop. Like, <laughs> I remember editing the audio and I'm like, I am giggling too much. Like, how do I edit out all my giggles? Like, (laughs) I still, that was like the closest I got to a true fangirl moment. So that's still my favorite. Oh, very good. Well, mine is um, when I, another really recent one, um, when I had Jeremy Patlin, who is the, um, um, Oh, gosh, I hope I get his title right. Chief Buying Director of the Tattered Cover Bookstore in Denver. Mm-hmm. And he was just hilarious. And he chose a book called Just Kids by Patti Smith, which is sort of a memoir of her 
artistic life and our companionship mm-hmm. with Robert Maplethorpe. And we just got into like the conversation took all sorts of sort of crazy turns and we got into opera and he's a marathon runner and he was hilarious. And it was just, and besides that, I think he has the dreamiest job that has ever existed in the history of the universe. I mean, oh, yes. being a bookstore buyer has got to be right up there. <laughs> that That's up there for me with like, I don't know, um, I don't know, a Jane Austen character where all you have to do all day is walk around at the park and go to balls. Like that's up there in like ideal job. Um, getting back to the personal, do you have a dream guest and who would that be? Okay. Can we do like anyone? Like really, I can do anything I want. You know what? Go for it. Anyone you want. Okay. Barack Obama. Ah. And the reason is because I have always loved his summer reading lists. And what I love about them is they are all over the place and in the best possible way. And he seems to like popular fiction as much as he likes very deep literary fiction. They're always so interesting and they're always diverse and they're always compelling. And and he very often chooses books that I really love. So I kind of think we have a lot of similar tastes, but not entirely similar tastes. So it would be an interesting conversation, but not boring because we wouldn't necessarily be sitting there talking about the newest Leanne Moriarty book all the time. (laughs) No, it would... I mean, we would for a few minutes. <laughs> he probably would enjoy some Leanne Moriarty. I'm sure. I'm sure he does. What about you? Who's your dream guest? Oh gosh, you know this is this is tough because, like, on one hand, it's like I talked to one of them already, but um, on the <laughs> oh gosh, but like if we were going with absolutely anyone, like there there are there are authors that come to mind. Somehow, I always think of dead people when I think of this, like. Wouldn't okay. it be great to talk to like Edith Wharton or like Jane Austen or like um, John Steinbeck, one of my personal favorites? Yeah, I guess we could talk to anybody living or dead. Let's have some dead writers on the okay. show. Okay, so if we do that, then yours is going to be one of those three? Yeah, we're going to go. We're going to go with John Steinbeck. I think if I was going with a dead guy. Yeah, for sure. Malavika, are there genres missing from your podcast? Is there anything that nobody has chosen yet? Yes. And this is something I've been thinking about. I want somebody to make me read poetry. And it has a (laughs) The closest we got, the closest we got is one of my guests, uh, Shruti Swami, who wrote a book I absolutely adored. Um, She chose a book called Always Coming Home by Ursula K. Le Guin, which was a sort of an anthology textbook of sorts. So it had some poetry in there, but it was also sort of a pseudo textbook of sorts about this fictional people she created. One of the two books I never finished. It was just a lot for me. But I also told her, I like don't know how to read poetry. And I really have been looking for somebody to say, here's a poetry collection, read this. And I want someone to teach me how to read poetry. So because somehow after a four-year English degree, I still don't know how to read a poem. <laughs> and you know what? I have had several quite acclaimed poets on the podcast, and I was kind of hoping they would choose poetry, and none of them did. <laughs> Maybe it's the word book. I don't know. Like maybe people have like a single poem that they really like. And then like finding a book of poems is a little harder. Maybe I should just have an open call for somebody. Tell me about your favorite poem and we'll talk about it. 
It'd be a lot shorter to read too. <laughs> how do we not know how to read poetry? That's, it's always so strange to me that I look at it and I'm intimidated by it because it's just words. Like, I don't know why it's so hard for me. I think, I think it has a lot to do with just being afraid to misinterpret and being afraid to sound stupid. Mm. I, I think just without narrative to sort of hang our hat on, it, there's this fear that like you're reading the poem and maybe you're not seeing a lot at first glance and you're like, I'm missing something. I don't know how to read this. And I feel this all the time, but sometimes you get a lot when I talk to people who like poetry and I'm just like, I really appreciate the rhythm of these words. And I'm like, yeah, that's a valid thing to say about a poem, even if you don't know all the context where you're like, I like this image here. Like, these are all really valid things to say. Um, but I think we're just afraid of sounding stupid. I think you're exactly right. And I think my other resistance to it is, is that, which also relates to being afraid of sounding stupid, is um, I tend to race through what I'm reading. Mm -hmm. And you just can't do that with poetry. And I think that I think having a poetry book in my hand sort of um, underlines this flaw of mine, which is, you know, read quickly because there's so much to read. I do it in right. a happy way because I've got so many books to read and I'm always so excited to read books. But then I, you know, poetry, you can't do that with a poetry book. And so... I always think, oh, I don't really have time to sit down and really think about this, which is the dumbest thing. Of, if Absolutely. I have time to sit down and read a chapter book, I have time to sit down and read a damn poem. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. I'm, I'm curious, uh, have there been any genres missing from, from you other than poetry, I guess? Well, horror. Mm. And I think that's partially my own fault because I think I've said on almost every single episode how much I dislike being scared. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I did have one guest on, Mona Cabani, and she's actually a horror author. And I was so excited to have her on. I was also really afraid that she was going to pick something really scary, but she didn't. She chose Fight Club. Um, but anyway, we had a great talk about that. And I did say to her, like, maybe because she's really, really into horror books and that is her thing. And I said, you know, maybe you could come on sometime and maybe introducing me to something that is scary, but not too scary. So but I don't know. I really, really hate being scared. Me too. Me too. I, I've had to draw some boundaries. Like I've told guests, uh, I can't read a series for you. I just don't have yeah. the time. Somebody once asked me to read the Wheel of Time series. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's like 30 books. Like that's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I've had more than one people suggest Lord of the Rings, and I'm like, gonna have to say no. <laughs> like, I need a whole podcast just for that. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's done Lord of the Nobody's uh, suggested Lord of the Rings for me. That's interesting. They will now, but <laughs> now you're gonna get the requests. I did have The Hobbit, and The Hobbit was fine. That's one book, but multiple books, it's like new. No, can't do it. Yeah. Has anyone chosen a book that is middle of a series for you? Like, no, thankfully no one has. I've had a couple people pick book one in a series. Mm -hmm. And so we'll talk about, um, I had uh, my one of my closest friends, Dakota Connell-Edwan, picked the book one of the Shadow and Bone series. Um, I had another guest who picked uh, the book, first book in the Shadow of the Wind series. And I'm glad they picked book one. And I feel like a lot of people know you can't really start at book two, but I'm yeah, sure that's yeah. going to come in now. So. <laughs> 
And did you continue on with either of those series after you did the podcast recording? I definitely plan to with The Shadow of the Wind because I loved book one for that. And I have book two sitting on my shelf. Um, Shadow and Bone, I told Coda, I'm like, this, I don't think is this is for me. Um, but she and I are close friends and she just, we just laughed about it. We were in all the same writing circles and she wrote fantasy and I wrote boring literary fiction and we bonded over that. <laughs> <laughs> so did she knew, she must have known before she chose it then that it was not your thing. It was not my thing, but we had a great time talking about it. Yeah. And she'll still insist I need to read the rest and I might get to them. They're pretty short, but just not anytime soon. I had one guest, um, Amy Austin chose a book called What Came Before He Shot Her by Elizabeth George. And it was like, I think it was like book 15 in this Detective Lindley murder series, but she said it was okay to read. And then I really wish... I, cause I didn't get it. I was like, this is not a murder mystery. This is the weirdest book. And I could not figure it out. And then when I sat down and talked to her, what it was, was, um, a person had been murdered at the end of the book right before it. And the author took a step back and went, before I go on with this detective story that I've been carrying on for all these books, let me tell you about the person who committed the, this crime and like, did, just oh. a book about the criminal and it it was a very it was a really sad story about these impoverished kids and it just didn't make sense to me for what I was expecting but then when I talked to her she said you know you what you need to understand is if you're this far in the series you're really invested in this particular character who had been shot mm. and and all you can think is why this person of all people, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then now you get to know, not that it's okay. It's of course never okay, but there was a lot going on that led to this murder, a lot yeah. of very sad circumstance. So it was, it was again, really eye-opening to read it and then reconsider it after the podcast. That's really interesting. Yeah. Cause you, you think of murder mysteries or are sort of distinct from that, that sort of series thing, you know, they can, they can kind of stand on their own a little bit, but right. that's a really interesting setup. I'm intrigued yeah. by that now. Yeah, it's good. I really liked her writing. I had never read anything by Elizabeth George before, and I really liked her. Yeah, interesting. Um, now getting on to maybe a controversial subject. Oh, but I am much more open about this on my show than you are. But I, I am firmly of the belief that all books are no book is above criticism. So <laughs> is there a book that you just the book? What is the book that just didn't work for you the most out of however many episodes that you've done? This is actually my Patreon question. <laughs> oh, OK, we'll save it for that then. <laughs> because I have one. One. There have been several that I didn't love, but I have one that I hated that mm. I just thought was garbage. But you know what? You need to subscribe to my Patreon to find out about that. I'll tell you that. Yep. So I'll save mine too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but on that note, then let me give you another one. Okay. What is your most unpopular book opinion? Mm. Are we talking like in terms of reading or genres or are we talking about? It can be something as benign as I don't think it's wrong to dog ear a page okay. or which I think is wrong. First of all, 
Okay. I used to work in conservatorship and in book repair. Do not dog ear your pages, but that that's All right. I'm I am going to be really, really unpopular with you. Let's do it. Really unpopular because I think it is okay to trash up books. I write in my books, mm. I highlight, I dog ear. I crack the spine. Mm. I destroy them. I think it's a sign of love and the more messed up. Now I have some books that are set aside that are very precious to me that, you know, my husband for my 50th birthday, my husband bought me a first American edition of um, Howard's end, which as you know, Mm. is my all time favorite book. So I'm obviously not going to dog ear that one. Right. Even, you know, my, Louise Penny mysteries. They're, they're not particularly precious, but they're, they're very special to me. I will underline a particularly good line, but I won't dog ear those. I take care of those, but for the most part, yeah, I, <laughs> I will trash a book up. I'm sorry. You know, there is no shame in that. You know, it always pained me when I was younger and we had to annotate the books and I still can't do it to this day, but I know plenty of people who do. And I love looking at an annotated book. Cause I'm like, this looks so intellectual, but I can't yeah. do it. The one exception I have, and this is a bit of a family story that we have a tradition in my family that if you gift a book to anybody, you write a message inside the book. And so that's just something that we do. And I, my husband does that now. He gives me a book and you write a message and you basically say, you know, happy birthday. This is why I picked out the book and you sign your name in it. And to me, like that's, I like looking at those and seeing these are books that were gifted to me. And so that's a tradition I plan to carry on, but that's the only time you'll see me writing in a book. Oh, I love that. Okay. So tell me your controversial book opinions. I mean, I think the, the not writing in books is, is one thing, like I just won't annotate or I, okay, here's one. I prefer a used bookstore to a new bookstore. Mm. Even though I appreciate and love, I, I'm very judicious when I buy new books. I mean, they're more expensive and I have rules for myself. I usually only buy a new book if I have read it already and I call it a five-star book and I have to own it. Used books, however, I will go to town and just kind of buy up whatever I find and fill my shelves. And that that is just what I do. And I am the happiest clam when I am in a used bookstore. And in that setting, I'll buy the old battered dog. I'll buy all of them. I just don't do it to my own books. So do you mind if you get a book that someone like suppose you picked up a book that I had donated to a bookstore and it would have, you know, creased pages and underlines and that would an be OMG fun. in the, in the margin. <laughs> I've bought, I, I buy a lot of books online. Sometimes what I've got a collector's project where I'm trying to collect all the Pulitzer prize winning books. And mm-hmm. as part of that, a lot of these are only really found online. They're long out of print. So I'm finding these old secondhand copies and I'm totally cool with that as long as the, the annotations don't distract from me reading the text. Got it. Uh, I'm going to give you a fun one. Non-book okay. related, totally fun question. Okay. Uh, you can bring one movie, one food, and one album on a desert island. Huh. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> We're going God. favorites and other things. <laughs> okay. Movie, food, album? Yes. Uh, the movie is going to be, hmm. oh my God, this is terrible. (laughs) I'm torturing you. (sighs) I can go first if it helps. 
You go first. Okay. Have you thought this through already? I've thought through this one. Okay. Um, so movie, I have been very vocal on my show saying I don't like a lot of movies. I'm not a big movie watcher. The, I've pro- I probably have like 10 movies I really like. So this is easy for me. But the one I would probably go with is My Cousin Vinny. I don't know if you've seen My Cousin Vinny. Uh-huh. Years ago. My parents, okay, my parents were always the kind of parents were like, okay, this is not kid appropriate. This is kid appropriate. But as I've gotten older, I've realized a lot of that had to do with whatever they liked. So I watched My Cousin (laughs) Vinny when I was like really young because they loved the movie. And so we've watched that movie like a hundred million. I can quote most of that movie by heart now. I adore it. So that would be the movie. Um, Album. So I'm doing another thing where I'm going through the Rolling Stone, like 500 albums. I've been like slowly working my way through that. But, um, and I think this album's on the list, but I would go Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, Probably God. one of my favorite albums. The best concert I ever saw was Fleetwood Mac for my 18th birthday. That was great. Um, so that, and then food wise, I love food, but probably going to go with like a big bowl of homemade macaroni and cheese. like. <laughs> I'll just, I'll die in a pool of mac and cheese and I'll be happy. Okay. (laughs) There's mine. Those are all excellent choices. God, I got to rethink, I got to rethink my life here. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm going to choose Black Panther. I'm going to do Black Panther. Because it's colorful and the music's fantastic and it makes me laugh and I love every single actor in it. Um, that album would be definitely an Elvis Costello album. Can I choose a best of or should I choose a... You can choose a best of. That's fine. I'm, I'm going to choose best of Elvis Costello because nice. I do have specifically favorite albums, but I would want the variety. So I'm going to choose best of Elvis Costello. And then food, I'm going to choose chocolate because I'm just going to assume that I'm going to be able to get the basic nutrients from the plants there. There you go. It's probably really hard to make chocolate on an island, I would think. So I'm going to choose chocolate. That's a good thought. Yeah, because you can get the basics on the island, but you can't get chocolate. I don't know where you're going to find cheese or pasta. Pasta. So there we go. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> impossible. Yeah, you got to bring yeah. those things because, you know, you're going to be eating like coconuts and stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I appreciate you indulging me on that. Oh my God. That is so hard. I'm so stressed out. <laughs> this is what we do to our guests, Julie. We stress them out with picking one. <laughs> well, let's end with the question that I end every podcast with, which is what are you reading on your own time? Not for your podcast. What are you reading right now? So um, right now I'm only doing podcast reading, but last about two days ago, I just finished my autobiography of Carson McCullers. So that is the title of the book. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is, as we talked about before, one of my favorite books is The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. And so this book had been on my radar basically since it came out. I like pre-ordered it at the library and I was that one annoying person who requested it. Um, and then I finally got around to reading it like years later and it was delightful. It was a really, it, it defies genre. It's part memoir, part history, part biography. And it's really the author integrating a lot of her own experiences with queerness and identity and finding parallels in Carson's own life. Carson, you know, in her struggling marriage, you know, likely a lesbian and not in a society where that was really 
the done thing, but mm-hmm. also the just also talking about the historical erasure of queer people, specifically lesbians, and how their narratives have frequently been written off, you know, that trope that they were just good friends in the pool right. together, you know, things like that. Um, and it was just the the writing is really good. It's academic without being um, unapproachable. The book is really short. So, and I don't think you have to be a fan of Carson McCullers to enjoy the book. I think it helped me because it put into context a lot of the real life melancholy that she brought into these books. Um, she, the, she lived a tragic life. I mean, she had chronic illnesses that she was dealing with, like multiple strokes in her 20s and 30s and died quite young from all of her illnesses and but it the book itself and just that sort of blending of biography and personal memoir was just so interesting and I really enjoyed that who is the author is it a relative of Carson McCullers or are they connected in any way it's very interesting. Her name is Jen Shapland. Uh, she's an academic, but she basically talks about how she came to Carson McCullers because she was working in an archive and when she was like a graduate student and she came across these letters between Carson and her her um, her therapist who later became what are thought to be lovers. And Basically, that just sparked a lifelong interest in figuring out about Carson. And she got a grant to live at Carson's house and work on this book. And she created this. And she just said, you know, that happened way back in her 20s. And she wrote this like over years and just was obsessed with this idea. And I just that was so cool to me. I remember you telling me about the existence of this book when we spoke last December. Uh It sounds fantastic. And I'm not nearly the fan of Carson McCullers that you are, but boy, this sounds great. It was really interesting. I have not read another book like it. And so it was a finalist for the National Book Award. I think might have deserved that prize. I haven't read all the other prize winners, but I I thought it was great. Hmm. Oh, wait, Julie, what are you reading? I just started. So I cannot tell you about this because I... Literally, this is the book I am starting tonight. I read the first couple pages um, today, but um, it came very, very highly recommended. It's called All That She Carried, Mm. A Journey of Ashley's Sack, A Black Family Keepsake by Tia Miles. And it's- I've heard of this. Have you? It's one of those, I love those stories of an object that passes from generations, which this is an embroidered- uh, bag that was um, belonged to an enslaved woman and given to her daughter when her daughter was sold away from her and then passed down. I am such a sucker for sagas being told through an object that passes hands. I mm-hmm. love stories like that. And it I'm so excited about this one. So I can't, I can't give a report yet because I'm just starting right. it. But it's one of those books like all day today. I've been looking at my watch going six more hours and I get to go read my book. <laughs> I love that. I'm excited for that. you. And that sounds that sounds really great. I'm going to have to look that one up. I'll let you know. Yes. <laughs> so will you tell my listeners where they can find you? 
Absolutely. So I can be found on Instagram and Twitter at YFB podcast. So your favorite book. Um, You can also find a lot of my episodes on the Chicago Review of Books website. We have a bit of a partnership. I also do written reviews with them. So if you like my thoughts in more long form, I do have a monthly review over with them. But and then the podcast itself is on most major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you find your shows. I love your book reviews, by the way. This is one of my favorite things. I always go read them and you've got such a great eye for books. It's very fun. I appreciate that. I'm like, who reads these things? And I'm glad to know you do. (laughs) Um, Well, I want to thank you for joining me again today. I can't wait till we, I hope we make an annual tradition of this because this is so much fun talking to you about our joint podcast experiences. Absolutely. I wish you all the luck and success and marvelousness in your ventures in the coming year, which I can't believe it's already another year. And again, my most sincere thanks to Julie Strauss. Guys, if you don't already listen to the best book ever, you really ought to. If you like my show, you're going to love Julie's as well. Her takes are so unique and interesting and lovely, and she brings so much to the table. And her guests, from the booksellers to the writers to the plain old readers, they all have a wealth of information. So definitely check out Best Book Ever. If you want a place to start, our episodes together are definitely where to go. Um, But really, you're just going to love her show, and I'll have links to the show in the description. Next week's episode is one I'm sure y'all will be looking forward to, and it is my favorite books of 2021. That'll be out right at the end of the year, last episode of 2021, a couple weeks from now. And it's a ranking, so even if you think you know what my favorite books this year were, if you're a listener, you might be surprised by the order. All my reviews of these books are spoiler-free. It's not even a top 10. It's just the books that I give five stars to, the ones that I'm recommending from the rooftops. Guys, you don't want to miss this one. And I'm probably going to have some announcements for 2022 at the beginning of that episode as well. So definitely check that out. And of course, happy reading and have a wonderful holiday season. Mm -hmm.